Amen. Lots of exciting things going on. Some stuff we're not even releasing yet because we don't want to give you information overload, but we've got a lot of exciting and different things happening in this next season, the Christmas season. We're going to be doing some things that we've never done before, but now that we have the ability and the uh, video uh, capabilities and we've got the people and the location, we're going to try some things that we've never tried before. So uh, God is moving in new ways, and I'm excited about it. Amen. So today, I'm going to jump right into the Word because I'm going to bring you the third message of a series that we have called Trapped. And so far, we have talked about the concept of being trapped with our thoughts. And then last week, I taught you about being trapped in the mud, how temptation leads you into the hog pen. And if you stay there long enough, the mud gets deeper and deeper. When you go from sins to transgressions, from transgressions, they multiply to iniquities. And from iniquities, we end up in abominations. And everything traps us in different ways, and it gets tougher and tougher for us to get free. But this morning, I'm going to look at what happens when we get trapped in the middle. Trapped in the middle. The definition of trapped, I've been giving it to you every week, is the means to catch in a trap, to prevent someone from escaping a place. And then specifically, what I've been drilling down into this series is have something, typically a part of the body. Last, uh, the first week, we talked about the mind. Last week, we talked about the emotions. A part of the body held tightly by something so that it cannot be moved and it cannot get free. This morning, as I talk to you about being trapped in the middle, let's remember how excited we are and how much faith we have in the beginning of a thing. We first bought this building, I was full of excitement. And then I realized how much pain I had to put up. I realized how much sweat, blood, and tears I was going to be putting into this place. It's easy to be excited and have faith in the beginning of a thing. When a baby is born, it's so cute. Little Ezra is so cute. When you start a new business or you get a new job and you quit a job that you hate, that's exciting, right? Until you realize that all jobs are pretty much the same. You still have to show up on time. You still got to put in a full day's work. You still got jerks that you've got to work with. All jobs eventually shake out and become just a J-O-B. But it's exciting when you first begin something. When you're able to see victory is right up ahead, it's easy to see and have faith and be excited at the end of a thing. So in the beginning, it's easy to have faith and be excited. At the end of a thing, it's easy. But what about the middle? That's where we get trapped. When it takes longer for your victory to come than you thought it would. When your healing doesn't just show up because you said three prayers and an amen. When things take longer than you anticipated or you felt like God said something was going to happen in this season, but you did not realize how long a season can be. Somebody say amen. Yeah, when you've ran out of money, but not out of month. When the doctor gives you bad news. When that baby that was born and was so cute and couldn't do anything wrong, they filled your life with so much joy, now they're a teenager. And you're convinced there was a mix-up at the hospital? You scheduled a DNA test next week? It was, it was exciting in the beginning, but you're in the middle now. And it is tough to hold on in the middle. The middle trap 
is the most dangerous trap we face, and that's why I've placed this message in the middle of this series. Because starting strong and being full of faith doesn't do us much good unless you are determined to make it through to the end. Peter says it like this, Don't think it's strange when you face fiery trials. He, he tells us up front, be prepared for a mess. Life's not easy. It's not easy when you're young. It's not easy when you're old. It's not easy when you're a saint. It's not easy if you're a sinner. Life is tough. And Peter says, don't think it's a strange thing when you go through some mess. That means we're not supposed to get in the middle of a journey and get trapped and stuck because life suddenly got tough. Because somebody suddenly did you wrong and now you're trapped by anger and resentment. Maybe your business went down and we get trapped by fear and worry. But the same God, somebody say the same God. Hmm? The same God who set the plan in motion is still on his throne. And when things take a turn for the worse, God does not resign his position. If God started with a plan for you, nothing that has happened in the last 12 months or the last 12 minutes has changed his mind any at all. God is still going to do what God planned to do. Now, believing God to fulfill his word is crucial because if you get trapped in the middle, you'll never see the result of the end. Let me help you before I get started real good, see why the middle is so tough. See, when God sets something into your heart, when he gives you a vision, when he makes you a promise, he shows you something that is great, and you buy into it. That looks good. That looks exactly like what I need. You start thinking about holding on to all the blessings, but what he doesn't show you when he shows you the end is the middle. When he gives you a vision of victory, he doesn't show you how long it's going to be before victory shows up. Hey, how long it's going to take you to arrive there. How much you'll struggle in between. How many fights you'll have to go through. Why? Because God knows if he showed you everything it was going to take to get you to the finish line, you would talk yourselves out of ever trying. God gave Joseph a dream. I'm going to be over in Genesis chapter 39 shortly. God gave Joseph a dream, and the dream was him, his brothers bowing down in front of him. That was the dream, that Joseph was standing while everybody else was kneeling. That sounds like victory, does it not? But what God showed him in the dream was the end. What he didn't show him was the middle. Did the dream come to pass? Absolutely. Did Joseph fulfill his destiny? Yes, he did. But between here and there and there and here was the middle. And Joseph had to endure a lot of traps and escape a lot of opportunities to get stuck before he ever wound up in victory. His jealous brothers, the same one who Joseph saw kneeling before him, his jealous brothers sold him into slavery. Told their father he was dead. And that's where we pick up the scriptures in chapter 39 and verse 1. And Joseph was taken to Egypt. Joseph was taken to Egypt. Joseph was taken to Egypt. Egypt is going to be a big player in the world's economy 
very soon after this, and Joseph is taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders. He was purchased, that's a slave, by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Look at those next five words. The Lord was with Joseph. Stop right there because I'm going to help somebody and you don't even have to listen to the rest of this sermon. Some of you think God ain't with you because bad stuff happened. Look at what this just said. Joseph was sold. He was sold into slavery by his own brothers. He has been trapped in a pit. He has been sold into slavery once more into a foreign land. And yet the Bible has the audacity to claim God is with him. I, don't, I cannot tell you how many times as a pastor I've had people come to me and question the validity of God because bad things happen to them. I'm here to decree and declare this morning that just because you're on God's plan doesn't mean that the enemy is not going to touch you, that you're never going to endure hardships. No, that's a lie out of the pit of hell trying to get you disengaged from the plan of God. Your plan is not going to take you to the end without having to endure the middle. Joseph, the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did. Even in slavery, he was a success. Even in prison, he was a success. Even when he couldn't make a way, he found success. He served in the house of the Egyptian master. He is in the middle. Say the middle. And in the middle, you would think his trial would be over, and he ends up in prison. How can such bad stuff be happening to me if God is with me? This is when life stops making sense, y'all. The trap is set. When you're in the middle, life is out of control. Chaos seems to be everywhere, and yet the Bible says the Lord is with you. Jump down to verse 19, and it says Potiphar was furious. Why? Because Potiphar's wife had made a claim that Joseph tried to rape her. And Joseph is in trouble now. Potiphar is furious when he heard his wife's story about Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. And look at verse 21. There's some five words again. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. Are you kidding me? God knows how to get into jail. Are you kidding me that even though Joseph had met, found himself in an undesirable situation, the Lord was, I wish I had a witness. You mean to tell me that even though Joseph isn't living his best wife, uh, naming and claiming and grabbing and blabbing, that everything's not turning up tulips for him, even though Joseph is struggling and he's in an undesirable place and his faith don't seem to be working and his prayer ain't getting him out, and even though he's having to get up every day and look at the same prison walls, the Lord is with him. Are you kidding me? God's with him in jail? Not only that, because it says, And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Verse 22 says, Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners. Why? Because the Lord was with him. And everything that happened in prison ran through Joseph. Why? Because the Lord was with him. And verse 23 says, The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. And there it is again. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. I could stop preaching right now and it was worth your trip to church because you could find out just from that scripture by itself that it don't matter where the Lord finds you, he can make you successful right where you are. 
You don't need a promotion. You don't need another position. You don't need another marriage. You don't need another relationship. You don't need another car. You don't need to move across the street. You don't have to find another city. You can be successful right where you are because the Lord is with you. Did you ever notice that the same God that gave Joseph the dream in the beginning of this story was the same God that showed up for him in the middle? So that tells us that the God of the palace is also the God of the pit and the prison. The God that brings him to the palace is the same God that showed up in the pit and the prison. Now maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm alone, but I don't think I am. But a lot lately, I have been feeling like I am running on empty. And, and, and please understand, I'm not just talking about I work a lot. I'm talking about emotionally. I'm talking about mentally, and you don't like to hear it, but even spiritually. This has been a tough season. I think we probably all will agree with that. Most of us are just exhausted. And not from physical activity, but from trying to carry the stress of everything going on in life and constantly being in the middle of chaos. Most of us right now, we're in the middle. The reason I preach this sermon is because most of us are there. Most of you are not dancing in victory this morning. Most of you are not even in the beginning of a thing. Most of us are all on the same page, and you just didn't realize it until you showed up for church this morning. We're all pretty much somewhere in the middle. The middle of lies. The middle of politics. The middle of confusion. The middle of chaos. The middle of being torn between two different sides. The middle of everybody wanting you to pick and choose what they have to say we're in the middle of chaos on every single turn Wednesday I got here to the office and I discovered that even though I had my phone on charge all night it must not have been connected properly and it actually didn't charge so I was running on empty almost all day so every time I got a chance I plugged my phone up trying to get a little bit of charge here and there and I'm gonna be honest with you my life kind of feels like that for these last few months that's why the middle is such an easy trap to get called in. Because you start out with a burst of energy. But the farther you go, the more exhausted you get. And what happens in the middle is this. You're too far to turn around and go back. But you've also came too far and you can't see the finish line yet. So you feel like there's no hope. You feel like there's nowhere to turn because I can't go back. But my God, how much longer? I don't know. You promised me that I wouldn't go back into addiction. You promised me I wouldn't go back into a bad relationship. You promised me that I would have faith. You promised me that I would see victory. But how long is it going to be before I get to the finish line? And I don't want to go back there. But how much farther is it going to be? And if you don't stay like my phone, if you don't stay plugged in to the power source, you will find yourself trapped in the middle. Now, how do I get tapped into the power source? I'm glad you asked. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all, who, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And he said, I will give you rest. Thank God it's not Washington. 
Thank God it's not CNN or Fox News that's going to give me rest. They're going to give me chaos and confusion. Jesus said, come to me and I will give you rest. Now understand something. Jesus said, all of you who are weary. Let me help you with that because weary is not just tired. Weary is when your soul is exhausted. You can work hard all day and be tired and need a nap. Weary isn't cured with a nap. That's why Jesus said, if you're weary, you need to come to me. He didn't say, if you're weary, go take a nap. He didn't say, if you're weary, go lay down for a while, because you can cure tired. But weary needs a supernatural touch, an infusion of faith from heaven above. And, and so weary isn't just tired, but the good news is, Jesus said, if you're weary, come to me. But what does it look like? When we look at scriptures, I'm going I'm to blow somebody's mind this morning. You'll find out that even Jesus got weary. I know some of y'all just wrote me off as a sacrilege heretic. But Jesus got weary too. That's a shock to some people. But when the crucifixion got close, he knew what he was about to face. So he takes the disciples to the garden to pray. He took his disciples to the garden to pray. The end was near. Chaos is about to hit the streets. People are about to grab pitchforks and start hunting down disciples. The Christians are going to be on the hit list. And Jesus didn't take them to Cabela's to buy a bunch of ammo. He didn't take them to karate class. He took them to pray. What Jesus was teaching them in order to teach us is that we are often handling the middle, the danger, the chaos with the wrong weaponry. We're trying to strike out at something that is not ever going to work. If you read Matthew chapter 26, and I'm just going to have to skim through it. Go back and double check me and make sure I'm telling you the truth. But Matthew chapter 26, the Bible says that Jesus tells them, I tell you the truth, Peter. Before the cock crows in the morning, three times you will deny me. Not me, Jesus. I'm your road dog, man. I'm the only one you got. I don't know what the rest of these fools is going to do. But I tell you right now, I'm in it to win it. I got your back. You my boy. I don't know what the rest of these will do, but I'll tell you, even if I go to prison, I'll go with you. Even if they take you to, to kill you, I'll go with you. Oh, he was strong and mighty in the middle. He was testifying about how powerful his endurance was going to be and his loyalty was in the middle. And what happens? The Bible says that, of course, Jesus is always right. The Bible says that when the other disciples heard Peter's exclamation, they said the same thing. Yeah, yeah, we will too. No matter what happens, Jesus, we're in it. And then Jesus went to pray. And he came back and found his disciples asleep. And he wakes them up and he makes this declaration. He says, could you not tarry with me one hour? 
just an hour. He says, rise and pray so that you don't enter into what we talked about last week, enter into temptation. And then he makes this statement that I'll, I'll, I'll reiterate in a few moments. Because the Spirit is willing. But it's your flesh that is weak. He come back and he said, two more times, found them asleep. Finally, he gives up and says, sleep on. And in verse 20, or in, in chapter 26, verse 69, after the crucifixion or is, is already set in motion, and Judas has betrayed Jesus and they put him on court, and the disciples who were so brave a minute ago has ran like cowards. Peter is sitting outside the courtyard, verse 69. A servant girl came over and said to him, you're one of those who were with Jesus, the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. There's one. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, G Peter denied it, and this time with an oath. There's twice. I don't even know the man, he said. A little later, one of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We could tell you by your Galilean accent. Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't even know the man. How many is that? How many times did Jesus say he would deny him? Uh-huh. And Peter said, not me. I'm too strong to fall. You never know how the middle is going to treat you. You start out like gangbusters. You make an oath. You've got a vision. You've got a plan. You're going to make it. You're going to do it. And the, and the beginning seems like you've got so much vim and vigor and so much energy. But man, that middle gets tough. You will do things. If you get trapped in the middle, you will do things you swore you would not do. Peter had, didn't even make it a night before he denied knowing Jesus three times. And immediately the ro rooster crowed. Suddenly Jesus' words passed flash through Peter's mind before the rooster crows you will deny me three times that you even know me and he went away weeping bitterly man what a night this had to be the worst night of Peter's life you have to understand where this night started it started with them having dinner with Jesus they're they're Jewish having a private dinner with Jesus for Passover that's a big deal and the night ends with Jesus arrested and Peter failing Jesus miserably. Somebody say the middle. Now say it's tough. Uh, the, the middle trap is the worst trap because it's the toughest one. You can't see where you started and you can't see where you're going. And you have to walk by faith and not by sight. And here's what I came to tell you today. These moments of living and existing in the middle is where we learn the most about ourselves. As much as we love times of worship and getting to the altar and dancing and praising and, and having our favorite worship song hit the, hit the drum beat, I mean, all of these things that are happening in our lives, these are the times, the, that's not when you learn about yourself. You learn about yourself in the middle. When things are not happening as fast as you wanted them to and as easy as you assumed that they would become, that's what teaches you what is really on the inside of you. 
Think about it like this. In times of stress and weariness, I'm going to drop some truth on you. Are you ready for this? This is worth your admission to church this morning. How I react is always more honest than how I act. See, my default reaction is more honest than my planned response. I can phony a relationship with Jesus until I get to the middle. I can look the part, dress the part, talk the part, assume the part, got the Povcog shirt on, got the sticker on my windshield, I got my Bible in my hand. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I can do all those things, and until I get to the middle, you don't really know what's on the inside of you because how I react in a moment of stress is much more honest than my planned response was. I can always be telling you how I'm going to handle something, but I won't know until I get there. That's why you got to quit judging other folks for where they're living at. Don't you ever look at somebody else and say, well, that was my kid because that ain't your kid, and you had to thank God that's not your. Well, if I was married and they did that to me, you don't have any idea what you would do if you came home to that barracuda every day. You have no idea what it's like to get a text message from that junkyard dog she's married to. You got no clue. So don't ever assume somebody else's middle can be lived from where you are. So what traps me in the middle? I've got five things. You ready for this? We're going to go through them quickly. Five things traps me in the middle. Number one, I overestimate my devotion. Peter said, can you imagine standing in front of Jesus and calling him a liar? I mean, he called him by name. He said, Peter, I'm going to tell you that before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny me, not me. You've got to be kidding me. How devoted I am. Jesus, I gave up my fishing boat for you. Why? Because that's the beginning. It's easy to run out of the gate and assume Jesus is going to establish a kingdom and he's going to make me his prince and he's going to have me sitting at the right hand and I'm going to have all this authority. It's easy in the beginning to run out the gate and be assuming that everything is going to be all right. But the middle, all that middle is tough. I overestimate my devotion. Sitting in church and saying amen is easy. Sitting in an oncologist's office and saying amen, two totally different things. So I overestimate in the middle, I overestimate my devotion. The second thing that keeps me trapped is I underestimate how weary I am. Jesus came to these three disciples three times and found them asleep. Three times he challenged them to wake up. Three times he told them I brought you here to teach you to pray. And listen, when you overestimate your devotion, do you know how weariness will eventually catch you? Because you can't run on pure devotion but for so long. At some point, you're going to realize how tired you are. And when you should be praying, you will be sleeping. 
Number three, I overestimate my strength. The soldiers show up in the garden. Judas kisses Jesus on the cheek. The soldiers arrest Jesus. And what does Peter do? Unsheaths his sword, cuts off the soldier's ear. What are you going to do? Whoop the whole army, Peter? You, you think you're that tough? You think you're that strong? I mean, I know Peter was a fisherman. He was a man's man. Don't get me wrong. He, 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 he labored for a living. But sometimes we think we're stronger than we really are. We overestimate how much we can carry. The reason you get so trapped in the middle is because you don't learn how to go to Jesus. He said, if you are weary, come to me. Mama, he did not call you to carry your children's burdens. He said, bring them children to me. The reason you're exhausted is because you're fighting battles you're not called to. You're, you're carrying weight that you're supposed to cast off. And the reason is because you haven't learned to bring it to Jesus. Number four, I underestimate the power of prayer. And if I don't teach you anything this morning, this point, I'm going to stop for just a moment and teach you something. I underestimate the power of prayer. Focus with me for just a moment. Jesus knew what was about to happen. Jesus knew that he was about to be crucified. He knew the disciples was about to fall apart. And he tried to teach them that the way you prepare for the worst night of your life is not to go to the shooting range. When all hell is about to break loose in your life, you need to learn how to pray. I knew I wouldn't get many amens right there. Because we're more eye for eye and tooth for tooth kind of people. But when you get over to Jesus who wrote those words, he teaches us, keep, watch, and pray so you don't give in to temptation. Last week we learned that temptation is the gate that leads us into the hog pen. And he says, keep, watch, and pray. Your spirit is willing. But your flesh is weak. Hear me. Your spirit is on board with God. I know, I know when you come to church on Sunday mornings, you did not just show up. You've got good intentions. Some of you have incredible intentions. You want to do the right things. You want to be a prayer warrior. You want to be faith-filled. You want to chase demons. You want to be a child of God who shows kindness and love to everyone who pleases the Lord with your life. And the, I know that you've got good intentions to lose weight and to save money. I know that you've got good intentions to treat your children better or treat your spouse better. I know you've got good intentions. You're willing. You're filled with good intentions. But the flesh, the flesh is weak. Your spirit wants to do these things. And Jesus is trying... This one point right here is, is what I've been trying to preach all morning. Jesus is trying to show them that the thing that fills in the gap between where you want to be and the weakness of your flesh is prayer. He wants to show you that the thing that fills in the gap between where you want to be and the weakness of the flesh is prayer. 
So when the soldiers show up at the garden, the disciples handle it wrong. Because that's what happens when you don't pray. The flesh causes us to handle things the wrong way when we're not prayed up. And last but not least, number five, what traps me in the middle? I underestimate how much God loves me. I'm going to prove it to you with Scripture. We're going to jump out of Matthew and go to Mark. Mark chapter 16. Two women show up at the tomb on Easter Sunday. Jesus is there, but they don't recognize him at first. When they finally realize that it's Jesus, he says, hey, verse 7, go tell his disciples. And who? Including who? Including Peter. Now, don't you know Jesus could have said, go tell all the disciples and left it at that? Don't you know Jesus could have picked any of the disciples? I mean, for Pete's sake, John's gospel, he calls himself, I am the disciple Jesus loved. He could have said, go tell the disciples, and especially the one I love, John. But he specifically picks out Peter. And let me explain why. He didn't want Peter to think that his mistake cost him his relationship. Jesus knows Peter is in the middle. Jesus knows that the end of Peter is not here. I, I preached all morning to get right here. He knows that Peter on the day of Pentecost is going to preach a sermon and 3,000 people are going to give their lives to Christ. Peter don't know that. <laughs> A lot of times when you are trapped in the middle, it feels like the end. But God shows up in the middle and says, don't you, let, don't, don't you let the middle convince you that you have reached the end, not just yet. Because I realize that this is not where I put you and planted you and I've sustained you to this point, not because this is where you came to stop, but this is where you are going to go. Somebody that's been trapped and set free, give God some... Look what Psalms 138 says by David. Psalm 138 and 8. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. And that's good right there all by itself. But then he says, for your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. He's going to work out his plan for my life not because of who I am and not because of all the hell I went through to get, through, get here. He's going to work out his plan for my life because he loves me. And it endures forever. God told David that he was going to be king. What he didn't tell David was he was going to fight a giant. What he didn't tell David was that King Saul was going to try to kill him for years. What he didn't tell David was after he became king, his own son was going to lead a rebellion against him, try to kill David and steal the throne. God told the Israelites, I'm going to give you a land. Boy, that sounds good. It's going to be flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to give you houses you didn't build and wells you didn't dig, and I'm going to give you vineyards you didn't plant. All of that sounds fantastic. But on the way there, they ran into heat and cold and enemies 
and confusion and discontentment and hurt feelings and rebellion against spiritual authority. See, what God was giving us was an example. He said, I'm not just good at starting a thing. And I won't just meet you at the finish line so I can say, good job for making it. He says, no. I want to introduce myself as Jehovah Shammah. I'm the God who's there. <laughs> oh, I'm about done, church. He says, listen to me. I'm not just good at starting something in your life. I am present every step of the way. I don't want you to get to the middle and feel like I abandon you. If I got to give you a sunshade in the daytime, I'll provide it. If I got to give you heat at night, I'll give it. If I got to shoot water out of a rock, it ain't nothing for me. If I got to rain manna down from heaven, I'll feed you. But I'm Jehovah Shammah. I'm with you every step of the way. If you walk into an oncologist's office, I go with you. I'm there when they take you to the probation court. I'm there beside you in the cemetery. I'm I walk into that courtroom and I stand beside you as your defense mechanism no matter what it looks like in the middle no matter how weary you are no matter how many attacks you face I am there I am there Joseph could have quit the Israelites could have snapped and quit David could have been like a lot of us and started giving God a list of everything that they don't have to make it to the end. But I'll tell you, God is not dependent on you to supply what you need. God doesn't care what you don't have because if you've got Him, you've got enough. When He points you toward a destination, He equips you with everything you need to make it to that destination. And what you don't have, God's favor and anointing is more than enough to make up for it. On the days you're a seven, God will be a three. But on the days you're a three, God will show up as a seven because He's more than enough. On your own, you're never going to get well. On your own, you're never going to raise these kids. On your own, you'll never get free from addiction. But the good news is, you ain't on your own. I did not collaborate with this praise team this morning. I was backstage when they sung this song. I could not believe it. Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 3. Now when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers. I'm going to back up. Now when you pass, say through. The waters I will be with you and through, say through, through the rivers they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through, say through, when you walk through the fire you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Do you know what I wish that verse said? When you get to the water, I'll part it and it move it out of your way. I, I wish that verse said when you get to the waters there'll be a big old cruise ship waiting to take you to the other side. You know what I wish that verse said? When you get close to the flames, God's going to open up heaven's sprinkler system and just put out all the heat. But what the scripture actually says is, I'm going to pass through the waters. I'm going to pass through the flames. I don't get to avoid the messy middle. But God lets me know that if he is walking with me, 
stuff that would have drowned me won't matter. Stuff that would have consumed me is just a momentary inconvenience. This too shall pass. Trouble has an expiration date. Your trouble is temporary. And these are just stepping stones along the way to victory. When God sent you there, he knew what you was going to have to step over top of to get there. This has not surprised him one little bit. He is ready to take you all the way. And if somebody's ready to go, why don't you give God about 10 seconds of praise? That's why David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He didn't say, I put a tent up. Some of you have been trapped in the middle so long, you built a house there. But David said, the valley is not my permanent residence. I'm not supposed to get trapped in the middle. Milk and eggs have an expiration date. So's your mess. Trouble don't last always. You don't have but one job to do, and that's Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 12. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weaknesses. You don't have to overcome, just get a grip. You don't have to win the battle, just get a grip. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to find the solutions. You don't have to work it all out. Listen, go ahead and balance that checkbook again. It's still going to be in the red. But you ain't got to figure out how to fill that thing up. All you got to do is get a new grip. And as you start getting a grip, you're going to realize, I, didn't, I wasn't brought here to die. I wasn't brought here to stay. This is just one stop along my journey. And he didn't bring me here to abandon me and leave me. Yeah, I've made some mistakes. Yeah, I've been set back a little bit, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And if God be for me, who cares who comes against me? I'm going forward. And I'm going to show you one thing out of Luke chapter 8, and I'm going to get out of your life. Luke chapter 8, verse 22. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they got in a boat and started out. And as they sailed across, you know where that is? That's somewhere between where they started and where they was going. Somebody say the middle. So right in the middle, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon, a fierce storm came down on the lake. Where at? The middle. In the middle, a fierce storm. The boat was filling with water, and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the waging raves. Suddenly the storm stopped, and all was calm. And then he asked them, where's your faith? And the disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man, they ask each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, if I, what I believe about God is correct, this storm did not surprise him. When he put them boys on that boat, he knew a hurricane was coming. He's God. He knows everything. Why would Jesus go to sleep knowing how hard the wind was going to blow? 
knowing how much water was going to come over the sides of that boat, knowing how freaked out the disciples was going to be, why would Jesus go to sleep? Go back and read verse 22. Jesus said, let's cross to the other side. He didn't say, let's go to the middle and drown. He said, before we start, let's go to the other side. And when he has spoken a word, you can lay down and go to sleep and guarantee what he has said is going to come to pass. He heard what he said. He knew what his word could do. He knew that once he said, let's go over, hell has not invented a storm powerful enough to stop you from getting to the other side. Somebody tell a neighbor, say, I'm getting over this. I'm getting over this. Yeah, I'm tired, but I'm getting over this. I'm weary. But I'm going to the other side. I'm beat up and I'm hurt. But I ain't stopping here. I'm going to the other side. I ain't getting trapped here. No, 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 no. No, my God is bigger than this. That's why he goes to sleep. Once he spoke a word over your life, he'll just go to sleep. Why? Because he doesn't have to maintain his word. His word is powerful enough to carry you through every storm. You don't have to fight. You don't have to kick and punch and shoot to get through it. No, no, no. Trust in His Word. His Word will keep the boat on top of the water. His Word will keep you when all of hell is trying to destroy you. His Word will keep the relationship together. His Word will instill confidence in you when you feel like you can't go on. His, His Word will make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. He went to sleep because he knew what he said. You know what he said over you? You're more than a conqueror. But pastor, you don't know. I've messed up. I failed. That's all right. I didn't change what he spoke over your life. You're just in the middle. Don't get trapped there because this is just one stop along the way. We've all made mistakes, but don't get trapped there. You're not stuck there. You made mistakes. You disappointed God. You lost your faith. You walked out. You made some mistakes. You, you got back into the hog pen. You got into deep mud. But hear this preacher this morning. You're not finished because as long as you're hearing what I'm saying this morning, God's still got purpose for you. So let's go to the other side. Let's go to the other side. Some of y'all walked in here this morning, I guarantee there's somebody under the sound of my voice or somebody watching that's just about to give up because the middle seems so hard. Let's go to the other side. Won't you help your neighbor? Won't you help your neighbor? Won't you look at him and say, come on, let's go. Encourage them. why you come to a place called Promise of Victory because we're going to teach you about victory. I've heard enough about what the church is against. I'd like to know what we're for. We're for victory in Jesus. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Let's go to the other side. Don't get stuck here. You're better than this. There's healing for you on the other side. 
There's victory for you on the other side. There's a financial blessing for you on the other side. There's deliverance for you on the other side. Don't get trapped in this middle. You wasn't called to the middle. He called you to the other side. How many people in this church want to go to the other side? Would you stand with me all over the building? Come on, let's go. see a neighbor struggling you see that look on their face you know they've been going through something just look them dead in the eye this morning and say come on let's go come on let's go his word didn't say let's go to the middle and drown let's go to the middle and get stuck let's go to the other side father in the name of your son Jesus every person under the sound of my voice this morning I speak deliverance and freedom Healing and wholeness, prosperity, wellness. God, that they would prosper even as their soul prospers. And God, this morning, somebody's soul is weary. And somebody's soul is wondering how much more they can take. And somebody's soul is trapped in the middle. But God, you have given us freedom. He who the Son sets free is free indeed and I speak freedom over this sanctuary I speak freedom over every house I speak freedom over every family God what the what God has given us the devil cannot destroy or take it away I claim prosperity and and the victory that they have been longing for God that is on the other side I strengthen them this morning with this word let your Holy Spirit do what it does and give victory and compliance to your word in Jesus mighty name now why don't you spend a few moments telling him how thankful you are for victory <laughs>